going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at willpile 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok i'm joined uh end of the season this is our first off-season pod um very disappointing wanted to give it a day or two to the game sunday was obviously a disaster so didn't want to touch on that too much really wanted to look forward to see if any firings were going to happen didn't want to we almost got it before uh me and uh, our special guest today hop on uh paul edston jr boy green obviously commonly known as on twitter boy green 25 Boy Green 25 on YouTube, host the Man Child show. Like it was a million different things. Jet Sidger reporter for uh for heavy. How are we doing today, man? How I'm glad I'm on you're on my show. I'm usually on your show. I, I know. I, I gotta say, first off, it's amazing uh, to make my I believe this is the TOJ pod debut here for myself. So this is a uh, this is spectacular. And I gotta say, man, uh, I, I'm glad that I'm coming on now. Now that you're an established superstar, 14,000 Twitter followers, a million downloads you recently hit. So, yeah, you know, it, you were like, I'm not inviting this guy until, you know, I plant my flag, you know, and you've done so. So uh, I, I appreciate you patiently waiting for that. Really no, appreciate I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it coming on. Obviously, look, we'll, we'll just start with Sunday quickly. Obviously, the Jets lose technically 11 to six. Very disappointing last play that kind of ruined a Garrett Wilson uh, 100 yard game. From my perspective, the only things you take away from that game, the Jets defense is still really good. Sauce Gardner and, and DJ Reed did another really wonderful job on probably the best receiving duo, if not one of the two or three best in the league. I think you liked some of this Bryce Hoff, Jermaine Johnson stuff. CJ Mosley was really good. I mean, it's kind of a standard at this point. And I think you took away Garrett Wilson's really good. And Elijah Moore still gets open, whether he gets the ball or not, different story. Other than that, I took away quite literally nothing from that game. The coaching was bad. Joe Flacco actually wasn't really terrible, if we're being honest. Um, Corey Davis was a ghost. The offensive line was bad. Uh, the special teams wasn't good. I, I, I'm just not sure. Did you take anything else away? I thought Robert Sala kind of had a disappointing day, if I'm being honest. I was really frustrated. Um, the one that Joe Flacco threw, I think there was, it wasn't a two minute drill, but it was third and like nine or 10. He throws it to Garrett Wilson in double coverage. Garrett Wilson looked like he had this spectacular catch. I still think he may have caught that. Um, but the only the really disappointing part was you could see the rest of the offense and Joe Flacco specifically rushing them to the line. Mike McDaniel had not won a challenge all year, already lost one. I don't think he was going to challenge it. And the Jets kind of just walked up the line of scrimmage, took their time. And you see Joe Flacco kind of give a, whoa, come on, man, and gets overturned. I just, those things, anything else you took away? I don't really know that there's much to really cover from Sunday. No, I, I think you hit a lot of it, uh, quite frankly. A lot of it was Garrett Wilson. It was great to see, you know, missing early on from the offense, both in targets and actual production. But once he just said, you know what, YOLO, it's the final game of the season. We're just going to go Garrett Wilson every friggin' play, which, by the way, is not a bad strategy uh, for the young man who is uh, absolutely exceptional as both an athlete and as a route runner. I've never seen He is so unique. I've never seen anything quite like it before, the way he's able to create separation. So that was great. So just basically Flacco, Wilson, Flacco, Wilson. I'm like, yeah, show me this all day long. That's a good game. Let's see it. So, uh, but besides that, yeah, a lot of surprise, and, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, but 
I'm going to be honest. I was a little underwhelmed by Michael LaFleur. Stop me if you've heard that before. I thought with all the gravity of the situation, right? I know the game literally meant nothing for the Jets outside of, you know, tanking and, and draft positioning. But you would think that Michael Floor, at least in the back of mind, there's at least a chance, and we're thinking it's a a lot greater than just a small chance, but there's a chance this could be his final game. So like an audition, potentially for the other 31 teams league, or just himself to say, uh, you know, to use the term unloading the clip, that I'm just going to go out and I'm going to pull all the stuff out of the Michael Floor bag. A lot of it that we saw in year one, the hook and ladder on like third and 18, like that sense of creativity Against the Miami Dolphins. There, I say Uh, it was against the Dolphins. It absolutely was. So that's my point that I felt like, okay, if I'm going out, I'm throwing every crazy crap I have in the back of the playbook that I haven't used all year long. And I've been saving it for right now. But to be honest, it was very tame. It was very safe. It was very, there was a lot of get, give up plays on third and long where they just ran it for field position. So it was a really, you know, kind of cowardly, you know, coaching performance from LaFleur. And, and, and again, like I said, we'll get into that. But yeah, that to me, maybe just the epitome of the Jets season. So not a lot to take away in terms of tangible stuff, but I can't wait till Garrett Wilson has a quarterback and uh, a lot of uh, serious questions about Mike LaFleur, certainly. Yeah, look, I, I got frustrated with some of the stuff and the other stuff I, I didn't take as big a frustration with. It was like, it was so bad up front on Sunday. And um, I know the broadcast really tried to, you know, really, really uh, give Joe Flacco credit, which I guess he does. He got the ball out quickly. He got to his reads. He kind of just throws it up there. He drew the one pass interference. What I have a tough time with is, and, and this is, I'm not going to crush Lincoln Tomlinson on this podcast. I'm just not going to do it. He was not good this year. I think he know. I know he knows that. Jets know that. That he's not going. I don't think he's going anywhere. He was a priority signing a year ago, and the Jets have not exactly moved off of guys after one year. That's not really their. It's not really a Joe Douglas thing. Um, what I would say, which was a little disappointing, um, was to see people kind of. The only thing that I guess what bothered me was that everyone was like, "Oh, Joe Flacco's starting because the offensive line's bad." It's a pretty big indictment on Zach Wilson that as a mobile quarterback, the Jets were like, yeah, we're good. Um, <laughs> we're good. Thanks, dude. Um, you're only active because right. Mike White got hurt. I feel terrible for Mike White in hindsight. Like, should he have really started the Seattle game? Just do things look differently if the Jets start somebody else? You couldn't start Zach because of how bad he was. And then you start Flacco, who clearly didn't really want to play. It's like you can't – it just – the whole quarterback situation is frustrating to look back at, knowing Mike White had five broken ribs, I guess, is, got confirmed. And it was one that was a previous injury. Maybe that was – everyone remembers the big throw in against Minnesota. He got hit really hard on that one right oh, before. Yes. Could, could he have broke – like, was he playing the Buffalo game hurt? Like, there's a lot of variables there that you give him a lot of t- uh, credit for being tough. But the Jets were in a really precarious spot on, on Sunday. But um, – Look, you mentioned Michael Floor. As of this morning, uh, we're recording this Wednesday. Disclaimer, I'm going to have to always give these all offseason. You know, you have to do the same. This is being recorded Wednesday afternoon. Michael Floor was fired per Aaron Wilson and then not fired per Connor Hughes and the rest of the Jets beat. I'm of the opinion he's probably still going to get fired if this is the case and the Jets kind of caught wind of it a little bit and said, um, you know, it's obviously I think, and you would agree here, it's very much seems like Robert Salas sticking up for his guy, wanting to give him a third year bringing a senior assistant around him. I know Connor Rogers mentioned it. I mentioned it. You've mentioned it. Um, and it feels like Woody Johnson wants to pound the flesh a little bit. And the offensive staff probably might just all go at this point. Like you could see, could it be Miles Austin, obviously with the gambling stuff? Is it John Benton? Is it Rob Calabrese? There's a lot of things at play there. So what do you think ends up happening at offensive coordinator? And is it the right move to get rid of Michael Floyd, knowing this staff has a lot of pressure next year and who is going to want this job? 
Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, first off, I-, I lean towards you that based on everything that we're hearing uh, as of recording of this podcast, it certainly leans towards a firing and uh, one that Salah obviously was not a fan of leading up into the Dolphins game. The Monday presser, he emphatically defended, um, you know, Mike LaFleur and even said, I've been in his shoes before. And again, it's not on any one man. And he sung a very different tune after the game on Sunday saying, I, I got to go back to the process. It's important to go back to the process. And you're like, oh boy, you know, you, to waver that much does not indicate good things. And now we're getting all these rumblings uh, about some questionable nature in terms of uh, his immediate future. Again, if you're going to fire him, if that's what the Jets plan to do, boy, you better have a good answer because, you know, the job is going to be, at least from a perception standpoint, unattractive from the standpoint that Salah and Joe, uh, Joe Douglas are on a playoff mandate heading into 2023. So any OC uh, potentially is coming in knows this could just be a one-year ride. So the Jets have to sell the message beyond that. Look at this young core. It, screw, we're so confident that we're going to make the playoffs in year one that you don't even have to worry about it only being a one-year thing. That This is going to be a thing that's going to go for a long time. That's what they're going to have to sell to whoever potentially is coming in. And man, I would, who knows if it goes to this level, but if you get rid of LaFleur, all of a sudden, the Jets are trying to get a quarterback this offseason. What are you going to sell to them? You have to move very quickly to fire LaFleur and replace him. Maybe that's some of the pomp and circumstance that's happening here in the back and forth between different uh, members of the media. But because if you get rid of the LaFleur in San Francisco thing, it's Salah giving up on what he pounded the table for of what the offense he wanted to look like. And does that end the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff and kind of remove him as a possible piece from the board? Because if you were going to get Jimmy Garoppolo, the most ideal system would be the one you just had with LaFleur, John Benton, and this entire San Francisco style offense. And if you get rid of him, blow that up and just bring something completely new in, then that may rule out Jimmy Garoppolo as a guy, despite the direct connection, obviously, uh, to Salah. So, man, if they get rid of him, they just have to have a strong answer. There's a lot of names floating out there. The one that I would love, that I would pound the table for, is Frank Reich. And it's not just, I feel like sometimes when we talk about this veteran influence being added, and so many have reported it, you, Connor Hughes, Zach Rosenblatt, a lot of people have said that this could happen. And I'm not just grabbing a random name that was just fired as a random head coach. So no, that could make sense. Like there's direct ties. He played for the New York jets during his career. There's a connection. He was with Joe Douglas in Philadelphia when they won the first super bowl ever. There is direct connections to the organization as a whole to Joe Douglas specifically. That's the guy. He was part of the architect of that impressive Eagles offense, who, by the way, had Carson Wentz playing at an MVP level that season. And then Nick Foles stepping in to create an offense around him that ultimately won the Super Bowl. To me, Frank Reich is the guy. He's getting head coaching interviews, so maybe he gets it this cycle. But just in case he doesn't, you can pitch him on rebuilding his brand here in New York with all of those connections I just mentioned, and then dive back into the pool in the future and see what happens. So I think that's what the Jets need to sell to go get their guy. And if it was up to me, I'm 100% pursuing Frank Reich. He's the perfect man for the job. Yeah, it's interesting. I I wonder if my gut feeling is if the Jets do move on. Um, I've mentioned Gary Kubiak. I, I understand the health situation. I, I don't know that that'll happen. I expect Salah to ask him, regardless of whether Michael Flores here sure. or not. I mean, he's his mentor and whole thing. Clint Kubiak, uh, who's now in Denver, was the OC in Minnesota, uh, 2020 and 2021, I believe. Um, he's another name, obviously, the son of Gary Kubiak. But does Robert Salah go down the road again of a friend's son or brother or sibling? Like, right. I, you know, you don't know if is that a good idea? Is it not a good idea? Um, you mentioned Frank Reich. I look. I, I agree with you. I, I'm curious. Does he, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, does he just kind of take the year off and hope that, you know, okay, 
maybe, you know, people, but it ends up happening with all these coaches. They're away for a year and you forget all the bad stuff and you just attach yourself to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Whoever the Jets do get is an offensive coordinator. Granted, if they fire Michael Floor or a senior offensive assistant, that's really going to be like consistent to that coach, obviously, and, and a high, a high person up on the staff. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be, in my opinion, if it's a veteran, it's somebody that's looking to get one more shot at being a head coach and knows they, if the Jets make the playoffs next year, I have a great shot. I don't yes. see the Jets going for a guy that's a hot college coordinator that's been around forever. You know, the Todd Munkins of the world. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if you're Todd Munkin, you're going to leave Georgia and you go to the Jets job. And when that staff gets fired, you're right back in college. The Bill O'Brien doesn't really make sense. He'll probably end up back in New England. I'm just, and then you mentioned the Jimmy Garoppolo factor. He's probably the most realistic name. I think anyone that's following this, you know, kind of saga feels like Jimmy G is going to be a Raider or a Jet. Like that's like the, I feel like that's kind of the consensus a little bit. Mm -hmm. If if you're Jimmy G and the Jets fired all the familiar staff on the offensive side of the ball, you're not coming here. And and why would you? Right. Um, You know, I I don't think that we'll get to the quarterbacks in a minute, but it does matter, right? Like if you, unless you're getting Lamar who, Lamar can succeed in any situation, by the way. Like, I don't think, I don't know why we have to, we have to lie about it, but you know, your offense can look different with him. Your offense would look different with Derek Carr. Your offense is going to look different with all these different guys. So if you're going to fire him, you need to have a legit plan of who you're not going to then just hire a guy right away because now it's not about the system. It's about the quarterback you bring in or, and if you, you know, I have 0% chance this happens, but if they ran back the same, you know, staff, I mean, the same quarterback room, I would, that, that, that might send me over the edge, but yeah, I want to get to, um, obviously, you know, we, there's a lot to come up in the off season. I want to kind of hit you with some just rapid fire. What do you think they're here sure. or not? Quarterbacks? Yes okay. or no. Um, yep. I'm going to start with guys that are not quarterbacks. We'll, we'll end on the quarterbacks and hit one or two other topics, but Carl Lawson's here and not here in 2023. I think he's here, but it's a reduced contract. I, I think they approach him. I, I think they love him too much. I think they love him too much. So I think he's here, but man, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money. That's very tempting to save some money on the books, but I think he's here reduced salary. Yeah. I think if you can kind of, maybe it's a two for 22 type of deal and you add some guarantees right. and I don't know, just spitballing. And then you take that six or 7 million you'd save this year. And maybe that's how you pay Bryce off. And you kind of, you keep re, you retain both guys, you retain the rotation and you don't screw yourself cap wise. Corey Davis is the other, is the next, you know, big name, obviously. See ya. Don't let the door <laughs> hit you where the good Lord split you. His ass is out of here. I, I mean, there is zero like, so, you know, on the Michael floor conversation, we just had, we said, man, who are they going to replace him with? Like, man, it could be anybody like, Corey Davis, I don't give a flying hoot who they replace him with. Just get his body out of here. And it sucks because I'll be honest, you know, in my, in our world, right. I, every time the Jets sign a free agent, they sign Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, and all these other ones. I brought on insiders from their own teams, from their old teams to try to get insight, like, like onto who the player was and everything uh, beyond what, you know, the surface level stuff we knew when I brought in a Titans insider, it was Mike Herndon, who now does great work with uh, Paul Kaharski and, and they do great work. I asked him about Corey Davis and he guaranteed this. He won't be a bust. He said he has such a high floor that I can guarantee that he's at the ceiling. You know, people remember then he was saying, I'm a wide receiver one. And we were all debating that. Like he said, I don't know about all that but a floor. He's just going to be there. He's durable. He's this and this and this. He catches the ball. He said all these things. And then 
it's funny that all of those things are like the opposite of what happened. Not saying like Mike didn't know what he was talking about, but it just, it just sometimes it happens for free agents who come to the Jets. So he has been incredibly not durable. Uh, he's dropped routine balls, but then caught crazy ones, which just frustrate you and make you want to pull your hair out. To me, the Corey Davis thing has not worked. I know the coaching staff loves him, run blocking and all that. He just can't stay on the field. And the money's not terrible. He could be a sneaky trade candidate. Again, he's set to account about $11 million against the cap. If you cut him or move on in some way, it's 666000 in terms of dead cap. He could be an interesting uh, you know, trade candidate because Tyree Kill is the highest paid wide receiver in football. That's $30 million. Corey Davis is making a third of what Tyree Kill is making. Even the Titans, which would be kind of funny if you trade him back to the Titans, but I think you could trade him to somebody, a contender that's looking for that receiver, and you could make something like that work. So that's kind of sneaky, but there is a 0% chance he's back on the Jets next year. Yeah, you wonder if the Jets don't start off the way they do. Does he get moved at the deadline? Like looking back at it, you know, look, I, I, I didn't think about it with Corey of, you know, maybe he's a day three pick or he's a guy they hold on to. And it's day three of the draft and the Jets trade up into the fourth round. And it's, oh, who are the Jets trading him for? And it's Corey Davis going the other way. Right, yeah, sure. The Saints or someone tries to backfill Michael Thomas for a cheaper option. I don't just use an example. I have no idea. Um, Right, right. I agree with you on Corey. I remember Adam Kaplan came on my show in August and said, everybody he talked to with the Jets was like, if Corey Davis doesn't have a good year, they're not paying him the 11 or $12 million next year. They're just not doing it. And I think that's it's it's tough. The Jets are in a weird spot because I'm going to ask the next guy too, who's also a receiver, is Braxton Berrios. And you could make a pretty strong argument that, you know, you could save almost $20 million or $17, $18 million next year by not having either guy on the roster, which is they kind of were net zero or net negative at, at times this year, which is frustrating because I had, I think everyone had high hopes for Brax after a, a pretty impressive and durable, elusive, uh, you know, 2021. Yeah, I I think he's gone. It it reminds me, and it's not the same way, but I'm going to butcher his name, but there was a long time ago when Mark Sanchez was here and it was the Rex Ryan years. They had a seventh round pick and they used it on like Scotty Knight. Uh, I may be forgetting the name, but it was Mark Sanchez's friend. So they brought him in as like a, hey, you know what? Here's another guy in the room that you have a relationship with. And Zach Wilson, obviously Braxton were so close and like a great relationship and hey, this is a guy that, of course, was an all-pro returner. It's not like they're just bringing back some scrub who brought nothing to the team, but it was an added bonus that he was close with the quarterback, and in theory, that could translate to the football field. Unfortunately, it didn't. I mean, I still don't understand how the hell Braxton Burris was a Pro Bowl alternate, not to, like, speak on another man's money or Pro Bowl here, but, I mean, what the hell? Like, what, what in God's green earth did he possibly do to earn any level of any Pro Bowl recognition whatsoever? But I digress. He's one that I, I think, again, is one of those tough ones. I think ultimately they move on, and I think they're hitting the reset button in a lot of ways. Obviously, we've heard rumors about the coaching staff reset. I think that could obviously impact some of the receivers here. I think Braxton's gone. Yeah, it's interesting. He's he, him, Carl Lawson, and there's two other guys I'm going to ask you about that I think are re, that are more likely restructure and keep guys than cut. But the, I don't know. The Brax thing's tough, man. He looked like mentally out of it. Like it just feels like he dropped that one against the Vikings, and it was just like that game broke him. The punt returning was not the same. He wasn't catching punts. I don't know if that's Brent Boyer. I don't know who's telling him yes or no on that. Obviously, I can't. You know, if he's being told to do that, it's not his fault. So I'll, I'll gladly, uh, you know, take my take back. But just cost the Jets a lot of field position. And he's paid more so than anything to be a field position, you know, game-changing guy, fourth receiver that can fill in, you know, Elijah Moore gets hurt or whatever, and he comes in and he's he's an effective guy. This year, just something, it wasn't right. And I don't know 
the Zach stuff. It's whatever it was, but even with Zach, he didn't look like he wasn't great either when Zach was right. there. So it's not like very odd. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. He's either going to be gone or restructured. They're not going to pay him seven, $8 million next year. It's just, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. This roster needs other, other avenues. Let's go to two guys in the offensive line. I'll go Connor McGovern. He's a free agent. So this is not a cut or, or trade guy. This is a, do they bring him back um, or do they, do they upgrade center somewhere else? Maybe. God, that's so funny because it, it, for r- rumors for years uh, that the Jets ever Set, since they signed him, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. CC, your old buddy uh, from the podcast, DJ Bienname, <laughs> of course. Now uh, with the Houston Texans, God love to uh, DJ. It was funny. I, I we were tweeting last night, and I, I like CC'd him when a fan was talking to me about taking center at thirteenth overall, and I was like, DJ, wherever you're at, and uh, he liked the tweet. That was funny uh dj's a good guy but yeah i mean they've been trying to replace him ever since they got him uh there was the Corey lindsley rumors a couple of years ago hot and heavy rumors uh, multiple insiders and multiple people that i talked to said the ryan jensen stuff was real and connor hughes tells me it was all bull so i mean you take who you want on who you want to believe on certain stuff so but there's too much smoke to not be fire with all the replacements so i think they do uh, let him walk. Uh, Joe Caparoso joined me and a good buddy of yours, of course, part of the TOJ family. Um, he told me that he believes that's a let the market play out thing and see what happens. Like he doesn't think anyone's rushing to sign McGovern. So he kind of sits out there and then maybe they both look at each other from across the dance party. We're both leaning on the wall, go, hmm, hmm, all right. And then they get back together ahead of the draft. Could be one of those surprises. But uh, for me, I'm leaning towards go and they're going to go in some other direction, whether it's scheme fit with whoever the new or old OC uh, potentially ends up being. So you go in that direction or they take a guy uh, maybe on day two of the 2023 NFL draft. Would it kill the Jets to develop a day two or day three offensive lineman? I mean, would, for it, God's sakes, ahead of time. So you're not rushing in, right? So that could potentially make sense. And I wish I would have done that earlier. We'd be in a better position right now. Yeah, look at the Chiefs. And part of the reason the Chiefs were able to rebuild that offensive line is they hit on a, two, a day two and a day three pick at guard center. And then they were able to pay other people big money, uh, Joe Thune, Orlando Brown, Mahomes, obviously, yep. Kelsey. You know, the list goes on. But when you're able, the Patriots do it all the time. When you can build – especially the more invaluable quote-unquote positions on your roster on day two, day three, UDFAs. That's why Bryce Huff is such a, a crucial thing. And I'm going to get to one other guy that – Tony Adams that I know the Jets love. Like, Tony Adams having a good offseason and, like, earning a starting spot would save the Jets probably 5 to $10 million, right, or a day one or day two pick. Like, that's the stuff that they need to have happen. The other one, I feel bad because I hate talking about Makai all the time. Is Makai on the Jets in 2023 because – all we've heard how skinny Makai is after hearing how fat he was all off season. And Joe Douglas hit, hit us with the most water is wet <laughs> answer of this is a big off season for Makai, which tells me absolutely nothing. Obviously right. you're never going to get anything from Joe Douglas, by the way, PSA, anything Robert Saller, Joe Douglas say uh, publicly take with a massive grain of salt. Um, but Makai Becton is, you could argue before you answer this, you could argue, the Jets need him and he competes at right tackle or left tackle. And if Makai is healthy and here, like the Jets are in a way better spot, but you could also argue he hasn't played a, he hasn't played a home game in front of fans as a jet. This is going to year four. He's not played. He's played like 30 snaps in the last two years. He's been overweight out of shape. He's back in shape, but the season doesn't start for eight more months. So who the hell cares? Like, I don't know. You could argue either one. So what, uh, what say you on, you know, the Jets biggest and probably most uh, important, you know, position other than quarterback. 
Yeah, I almost uh, cut up that, uh, you know, nugget from Joe Douglas, if you even want to call it a nugget, I guess, uh, from the presser and tweeted it out for the sarcasm of like, wow, big update from Joe Douglas. Big but news as tweeted, breaking. Yeah, but as I've tweeted recently, apparently not everyone can pick up the sarcasm on Twitter, so probably best uh, that I chose not to go uh, in that direction. I'm going to be honest. Here's the thing. I will say they're 100% going to decline his fifth-year option. That's coming up in May, and believe it or not, it seems so fast because, again, he played his rookie year, and to your point, he's played 37 the last two years. Like, whoa, we're already making a decision on a fifth-year option? Yeah, that's how it works, baby. The clock keeps turning uh, despite injury. So they have to make that decision, they being the Jets, have to make that decision by May. It, with now the fifth-year option especially being injury guaranteed, that has not always been the case since the new CBA. That is a recent change over the last handful of years. The Jets would be bonkers, quite frankly, to exercise that fifth-year option uh, with his injury history. So they would decline that, making 2023 a contract year for Mackay Becton, a big year, as Joe Douglas would like to call it. Um, so I believe he, to go back to the question, I believe he will be on the roster. If you were going to trade him, and I think I said this last offseason leading into the draft to a Bengals team that's desperate and maybe would have given you a late first and conditional picks or something just to swing the back. Because, again, they were just in the Super Bowl. They just missed out. You could have taken advantage of a desperate team saying that's what we need to fill. That's the missing piece. And they chose not to do that. I thought that was the last chance to really benefit off Mekhi Becton because he had the one year of promise a year lost of injury. I thought if you had another year of injury, which is ultimately, unfortunately what we got, uh, no one wishes injury on anybody, then the, all the trade values out the door. Now it's all on you. As you said, I think what the jets have to do this off season is do the same strategy. I employ in my life, hope for the best, expect the worst. I expect the worst to happen in everything. I hope not. I hope great things happen, but that's what they have to do with Makai Becton. They can't pencil him in as a starter. They can't pencil him as, as a backup. They got to pretend like he's not even on the roster and they need to aggressively attack the offensive tackle position, free agency, draft trade and everything. And then when we get to the off season, to your point, eight months later or, or the season rather eight months later, he's still healthy. You're like, Holy crap. We got Makai Becton. Phenomenal cherry on top of the pie. This is spectacular. Let's plug and play him at right tackle where he was transitioning last year before getting hurt. Or as he tweeted out LT one, uh, if he wants to go over there, whatever the case, if he's healthy, you're in a great position, but you can't count on him. It's just, I love Makai. I love the guy. He seems super motivated. You're, you're hearing all the right things, but again, it's January. I'd love to be seeing all the right things in September. So TB, on that but I do believe he will be on the roster because they can't trade him I don't believe he has enough value to be traded and he's too important to what they have but he will be entering a contract year and uh, we'll see if Mekhi Becton can finally stay healthy uh, when it matters most yeah I'm not going to go through the whole 2020 draft class I just have reservations that is it best to just move on from everybody do you retain sure. do you retain guys like Mims Ashton Davis and other people and Bryce Hall is like death pieces at the moment that are, you know, contributed on special teams and, you know, have shown, have had flashes, you know, Nims helped them win a game this year, Ashton helped them win a game. Like those are big guys. Like those are big things. Like the same thing I said about the James Robinson trade, like it helped them win one of the biggest games of the year and you take it. And if the Jets would have made the playoffs, no one would have cared. Um, I looked, I looked it up. Cause I remember I tweeted this out. I tweeted, this is February 25th. If the Bengals okay. called the Jets and offered 31 and 145 for Mekhi Becton, what would you say? The amount of no's and telling me to go F myself, I got in that tweet. Mm. Looking back, <laughs> buddy, wow, this roster would look nice. Um, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, 100%. Probably would have had Jalen Petrie or somebody else on top of this <sighs> roster and whatever. God, leading leading nice. me to, to safety, Jordan Whitehead tweeted it out today. He's another guy that has number of balloons 
quite largely next year. I think he made like three or four this year. He'll make like 10 next year. I'm going to say he's back. And I wonder if the Jets extend him into a third year and then just lower that cap hit, you know, maybe to five, six million and whatever. It's Jordan Whitehead back because I, I think there's a way they can move on if they really wanted to. And I know a lot of Jets fans are, are a little disappointed with his play this year uh, overall. Yeah, two things there. First off, I think that's a sneaky way what you just said, extending guys to lower numbers to kind of kick the can down the road and try to figure it out later. Because at the end of the day, people say Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, if the Jets get rid of Jordan Whitehead, they have to replace Jordan Whitehead. So uh, you're, you're screwed in one, you're screwed in the other. You have to fit. They have a bunch of holes to fill on their own. And any guy they get rid of, they then have to fill that position with you hope a guy just as good, if not better uh, than the player. Uh, I will say, though, that, man, I, I was underwhelmed by Jordan Whitehead. Uh, I think it was Leger Doosable. Oh, it, yes, yeah. So it was Leger, and he joined Connor Rogers. They did a bleacher report at the time. Connor Rogers no longer there. But they did an at-the-time, like, Jets chat on bleacher report, and Leger called Jordan Whitehead the best tackling safety in the NFL. He- and this is the offseason heading in. I'm Holy, I can't wait for one of those at safety. And unfortunately, as we saw, I mean, the Bengals game was a it was a horrible example of like that very thought. And he just he just didn't deliver. I mean, he, we thought at least we knew the floor. Again, another floor, floor player the Jets thought they were getting. Okay, if you put him right here, like, all right, we know exactly what we're getting. And maybe, and I reached out to a bunch of Tampa people because the same thing that Joe Douglas said that like, you know, Oh, we were surprised he was out there. A good player left the building and Tampa Bay didn't even offer him a contract from the Buccaneers. People I talked to, they didn't offer him anything. And that, you know, naturally from an NFL standpoint, a lot of people, a hundred percent, it should have raised a red flag. A lot of people went, wow, that's, that's very odd. And I reached out to Tampa Bay people and, and, and some of the Tampa Bay people were surprised. Some of them said the same thing you did red flag alert. And then I guess we're seeing kind of it. So you know, long story short, I, I agree with your sentiment. I believe ultimately they bring him back in some form or fashion. Again, he's in the last year of the two-year deal that he signed. So it's hard to just reduce it unless you're just asking him to straight up take a pay cut. So you're probably just going to have to extend it. And the lesser of two evils, You can, there's only so much you can replace because LaMarcus Joyner, he was pondering retirement last yeah, year. He's so going to retire. So you have two holes to fill at safety if you get rid of Whitehead. So that just makes it incredibly difficult and somewhat unlikely that you can find all these answers. I think they kick the can down the road, bring it back uh, on an extension, but lowering the cap number, doing the best they can with the situation. This is a defense that was a top two to five defense, depending upon how you want to grade it, yep. and didn't get great safety play and didn't get elite linebacker Wild. play. So, like, I just have a – I have a hard time saying, like, I, I tweeted that the other day. I talked to people with the Jets. They love Tony Adams. Like, it's he's got a, like, clearly, they kept Tony Adams over Jason Pinnock. They, you know, or I guess they kept Ashton Davis or whatever. It doesn't matter who they kept him over. Um, right. What matters is they kept him, and he started, and he actually thought he looked pretty good other than getting annihilated by Raheem Mostert the Steph- other day. And also, Stefan Diggs, why did we ever put Tony Adams and Stefan Diggs? He had that crazy play. Yeah, Same thing like, happened to Whitehead, too. Uh, they put him in yeah, some bad spots. They put him in some bad spots, but I think he's got a guy that's potential. He's, he's an undrafted rookie, like, and he was playing. Yeah. thought he would play decently. I think Joyner retires. I'm sure they'll bring back Will Parks. I'm sure they'll bring back Ashton Davis, and they'll probably add a dr- guy in the draft or sign somebody. And, but anytime you cut these guys, like, I just this is another, like, PSA. Like, this happened last year. I was like, Sheldon Rankin's going to be back. I was like, they're not cutting him. He's a good player. They just, the Jets, like he didn't have a good first year. 
and he was better on tape right. than he was in, in the PFF gradings and stuff. Sheldon Rankins was one of their was really really good this year, and he's kind of like a must bring back now. Had his one of his best years PFF wise. He's you know he's had in his career like he's a really good player, and I think maybe Jordan White had to adjust next year. He cleans up, you know, there's three or four big missed tackles he has. Maybe he cleans those up, better guys around him, and he plays better. I'm going to ask you, we're going to transition to quarterback in one second. Yeah. The other kind of interesting guy right now in terms of who they bring back is Quincy Williams. And I've been outspoken that I think Quincy is a little too boomer bust for my liking at times with linebacker, sometimes just being stable and, and like – having being a sure tackler, not being an explosive tackler and being a sure guy in coverage, not being this boomer bust. Quincy, I think is going to be back because they don't really have a choice. Like they have to pay Quinn Williams. And I don't think Quinn Williams is going to sign until they sign Quincy. But at the same time, the Jets can't be used as a fool and pay Quincy Williams $10 million next year because he's not worth that. And I think he probably knows he's not worth it either, but he's going to milk every dollar out of this and I don't blame him. Is he back? And is he, and or him and Quinn and, locked up and extended, re-signed, whatever you want to phrase it, by that April uh, off-season workout date. Very subtle by Quinnen. Great job of PR. Nicole Lenz is agent. She does a great job. Quinnen using his big, bubbly personality. Yeah, man, like, I want to be here. Like, I'd love to get a deal done by this time. Like, no pressure. And, like, I really don't want to skip off-season workouts, but I will. Just buttering up the fans so he knows it's April 25th and the Jets report. And the deal's not done. Jets fans are like, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Like that's what that's already what I'm I'm waiting for because these negotiations aren't quick, but the Jets need to get this done, right? And like Quincy's a big part of getting Quinn in this day. I just have to say, Nicole Lynn uh, is the best agent in the business. Clearly, before he came out to that podium, that was elite. Whether it was physical, I don't know if Nicole Lynn was literally at the Jets facilities, but whether it was a phone call, a Zoom, a FaceTime, she clearly gave him boop, 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 bullet points and said, hit on these. Like, for instance, you know, and, and he played it off like what, what Quinn and Williams uh, for an Oscar, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, he said, you know, I heard or, or read a stat. I stumbled upon a stat where the Jets don't re-sign their first round picks. It's eight eight in a row before Quinnen that they had not re-signed. Uh, to the point, I think there's a Ritzamini nugget. Uh, you know, I heard they don't resign their guys, but I know they're going to do the right thing because I do the right thing on and off the field. Oh, he, she had an elite bullet list and he elitely just bang, 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 hit him appropriately. So yes, he has avid fan support. And to his point, to everything you said, the way he did it, like, I don't want to skip anything, but I mean, hey, if they force my hand, I'm going to have to do what I have to do. And the fans will be all over Joe Douglas. So uh, long story short, yes, you you have to lock up Quinn Williams. I do believe it happens before that April date. I think the Jets, in, in a Revis-esque fashion, have talked up Quinn in so much that they have to deliver. They would look like fools if all of a sudden they went in some other way and did not reward, uh, reward an in-house guy that's done everything the right way. And I will say, to your point, I believe that Quincy Williams, again, the older brother of Quinnen, the linebacker, uh, formerly of Murray State that was in Jacksonville, got dumped to the curb, Jet scoop him up, and he, uh, Quincy, at his press conference uh, at the podium in the locker room, talked about loyalty and the Jets taking a chance on me and, you know, going through all that whole process and playing with his brother. Yes, I think it is strong that the Quincy thing, what happens there will affect Quinnen. Uh, you said it, Connor Rogers said it, Ritzamini reported it in his Sunday column that there's going to be a direct correlation there. And Quinnen's watching how they treat his brother. Um, so I think that is an important piece of the puzzle. I think they have to do it because, again, 
you know, CJ Mosley got to figure out what you're going to do there with that contract. And there's a lot of different avers they could do. Both Quan Alexander and Quincy Williams are free agents to be. So you have to, you can't just blow up the linebacker room completely. I don't think you have enough assets to completely restock. So I would bring back Quincy. I think he's going to come back again. You have to be very careful not to, as you put it, get hosed and, you know, you pay him. Uh, crazy you're not going to get cj mosley money but a crazy let's say five-year deal for 10 million a year 50 million like whoa how the hell did that happen like and joe douglas does not seem the type that's going to get bent over the barrel like that but i would bring back quincy i bring back Quinn, and i believe both of those things happen ahead of april robert sala seemed uniquely confident and i don't think it was just bluster maybe it was that he said he feels strongly about all the big defender free agents that are on his list that he wants back he said they're going to be back no pressure joe and made like a joke during the presser it just seemed like they have a plan uh, to bring a lot of those guys back including quincy who i think is uh, near the top of the list is a straight up pending free agent it's going to be a one word yes or no zach wilson's okay. on the 2023 roster yes all right. Well, I'm going to go no. And maybe it's because I want to just disagree with you <laughs> for anyone that likes deeply analytics. And then we'll get to a couple of the other quarterbacks real quick before we wrap the yep. cumulative EPA drop back, right? It's like one of the most telling stats for quarterbacks. Oh God, it's, I saw this. Yeah. Zach Wilson has not even come close. His first NFL start, right? Mm-hmm. That's where he started since then. He has quite literally gotten worse. Basically, the, his graph, for anyone that's going to watch this visually, just goes straight down where like two of the other guys goes up and then the whole class as a whole is, is very disappointing. I'm going to rattle through yes or no and your percent chance that you think it could happen. So I will just go okay. through the I'll go through the main ones. Um, if it doesn't add up to 100, nobody get impulse uh, and mentions. It's not the point of the, <laughs> it's not the point of the exercise. I'll start with. Right. I'll start with the most kind of probably unrealistic ones. I'll start with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go, I'll start it and, and then I'll go to you. I'm going to go no. And it's not because I don't think the Jets will call. I think Rodgers is going to play in, in 2023. I think Tennessee makes a lot more sense than the Jets do. I think there's other places where like, I'm not about, I'm not this big, oh, New York's, New York's just not for everybody. And I just, when people that I know that are kind of like around the Packers and things like, I just don't think that Rogers is a good fit in New York, but um, so I'm going to go, no. So I'm going to go maybe 5% chance, but I, I think it's, it's very low with Rogers, even though I would pursue it if I was the jets. I'm, I'm leaning yes on Aaron Rodgers, and I'll go 37%. Ooh, I like that. That's yeah. see, that's, a, that's I want to go even higher. I want to go uh, even higher. Uh, Rogers uh, makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. And you know, I don't think it's going to cost quite as much as people think it would. Um, no. I'm going to go, I'm going to go next to the guy that I think, I've like Lamar Jackson. It's I would a hundred percent pursue it. I would empty the bank in terms of picks money. I said the other day, I would part with 13 and 44. So their first and second round picks this year, I would part with next year's one. And if you need to part with the third one, I would do it. Or you include a player that, you know, or it's an Elijah Moore. It's a, I don't know, some, some of the younger players that maybe you feel are expendable. I just don't think people understand. Like they look at Lamar's numbers and they're like, Oh, it hasn't been as good the last two years look at the Ravens roster. Like actually look at it. Don't just be like, Oh, they're the Ravens. They've invested a lot in that defense. And I get that. And they're a good staff, but man, I I don't know. I mean, they took Rashad Bateman. That hasn't worked. Mark Andrews is a nice player, but like, he's not in the same. I know people will argue with me. He's on the same stratosphere as Kelsey and, and Kittle and these guys. He's good. Um, The running back position has been a mess. The offensive line it's in and out Ronnie Stanley, they trade Orlando Brown. Like, Lamar won an MVP unanimously at 22 years old and he's got a 46 and 15 winning uh, record in the regular season. 
my gut feeling is this knee injury is not quite as bad. And I think he's protecting himself. And mm. I don't know. I, I, my only last thing, and then I'll let you go. Obviously, I know I said one word and I'm like rambling here is the Russell Wilson trade. They, they traded for a 34-year-old Russell Wilson who was clearly declining and fit yeah. him into a system that didn't work on a team that was aging with a really bad head coach and a system where Russell Wilson has no, never been anywhere close to the player Lamar Jackson has. I think everyone that's watched football, and actually, if you actually watch, understands that. And, you know, Lamar Jackson's not asking for an office and all these different things. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. And also, it's only year one. Maybe Russ is better next year and, and the trade works. But Deshaun Watson hadn't played football in 24 months. He went through 60-plus sexual allegation lawsuits in court for the last two years and got dropped in the middle of a season with a bad Browns team. He might be better next year. I don't really know, but the trade's not a failure until we at least see a full year of Deshaun. I'm not ready to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Lamar on the Jets right now on this Jets roster, if you just – you took – you what you know, week one you planted Lamar Jackson on this Jets roster, healthy, AVT, Brees Hall. The Jets are probably the fourth best team in the AFC. Like, legitimately, they just replaced the Ravens, yeah. as the, right? So, you want to compete with the big boys, you got to have a big boy quarterback, and there's not many bigger than Lamar Jackson. All right. What was your what was your percentage? My percentage Lamar? is if he's available, the Jets have a forty seven percent chance. I think they compete with Carolina, Atlanta, maybe San Francisco. All right. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yes. I mean, yes. I, I would certainly pursue the percentage at this current moment in time. I'm putting at one percent. I I get it, I, and I can squint because I am an optimist and I'm a glass half full kind of guy by nature. So uh, you know, I could see you know. You know, wow, they paid Roquan Smith $100 million before they paid me. A guy they traded for mid-season, they decided to pay before me $100 million? This isn't chump change. It's $100 million. And among the reset linebacker market up there with the Fred Warners of the world and everybody else, I mean, they paid top dollar for this guy. So I could imagine how that could rub uh, you know, Lamar the wrong way. And I, I will continue to try to whisper to Lamar and Lamar's people like, oh, man, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take that if I were you, Lamar. And I'll try to, like, kind of prop him up. But I have to put it at 1% because tag and trades are difficult, although there is a long history recently of tag and trades actually going through. There's the fully guaranteed deal, which, by the way, I would be willing to give Lamar Jackson. Maybe I'm crazy, and this is going to get people in the DMs and the mentions. This is 100% well. I've already seen it uh, in a small sense. I would give him the fully guaranteed deal because, again, the uniqueness of this. This is how fully guaranteed deals happen. Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, and this, the uniqueness of tagging and trading and being in this situation. So I would give him the fully guaranteed deal. I'd give up exactly what you said. First, second this year, first, second next year. They want Elijah Moore or something of that nature probably would make uh, a lot of sense as part of it or someone of that nature. I'd be willing to give up and I'd be willing to pull the trigger. I'm putting it at 1% because again, it's hard. The, the He is a former league MVP. He is has multiple seasons. Yeah, I mean, all of it is electric. Like he has multiple seasons of over a thousand yards rushing, which is the most all time. Uh, He's he's uh, the people that keep calling out the passing and really the people in general about this quarterback conversation. I've heard the Jet fans say no to a lot of people. And by the way, you could say no to any quarterback you want. You're fans. But to go like, screw that. No, thanks. I'm Lamar Jackson. Like, I'm like, people, have you seen your girlfriend history? What the hell? Why the hell wouldn't you want Lamar Jackson? Like everyone's going to have an issue. Aaron Rodgers, uh, He's got an attitude problem. Too old. Like this guy's this, this guy's this, this guy's this, their car, cold weather, this, blah, blah. Like everyone has a, a bugaboo. Everyone has a, a, a little thing that you can nitpick. No one's perfect. If, if Patrick Mahomes becomes available, give me a call. He's not. So anyone you bring in is going to have some fault in some way or another, 
but almost all these guys that we've talked about would be massive upgrades for the Jets. And we just talked about competent quarterback play this year could have gotten them to nine wins, 10 wins, 11 wins. Take us to elite land, which is where we're dancing around in the amusement park right now. It takes us to another planet. So I'll leave it at 1% because, again, it's difficult to envision all this. But maybe as we continue to get through, the Ravens get eliminated from the playoffs. Like things start getting a lot more real. The percentage can skyrocket. I think Connor Hughes put it best. I'll give him a shout out here. He mentioned I was just going to do end, the same thing. 100%. The end of the Can't Wait podcast. He said that if Lamar becomes available, if the Ravens listen, which again, if this franchise tag thing happens, they don't give him the deal. And he says, screw you guys. I'm not going anywhere. The Ravens have to have that harsh conversation where, man, maybe we got to start listening to offers. Connor Hughes said the Jets would be one of the best suited teams to get him because Woody Johnson's pissed off. Joe Douglas and Robert Sauer have playoff mandate. And if you have a playoff mandate, you got to win. Who's the quarterback you're picking? The 26-year-old former MVP is a guy I put all my chips on. So Connor Hughes, major credit. I, I tweeted out the uh, clip from uh, the Can't Wait podcast. He said they'd be in the best position to do it. He said, I would, he, I don't want to put words in his mouth. You guys can listen to the clip. But basically, he said they would have a really good shot of getting him. They, he also used uh, previously on SNY. They'd be first in line for Lamar Jackson. So they'd be in a great position if he became available. At this point, I'm putting it at 1%, but it would be obviously incredibly exciting. All right, we'll rattle through these because those are the two big ones that I kind of wanted to hear you expand on just because it feels like they're very much controversial. I'm going to go yeah. Derek Carr next. My only take is going to be, and I've said this, I think Derek Carr, the Jets will be more interested in than the Derek Carr will be interested in the Jets. I don't think he wants to come to New York necessarily. He's reiterated stable ownership, stable head coaching, all that stuff. If the Jets are in playoff mandate, he does. I don't, I'm not sure he wants to be here. So I'm going to say no on, uh, on Derek Carr. Not that I think he's a bad player, just don't think it happens personally. Uh, I will say yes. And before I give my percentage, I will just say I heard the the clip from David Carr saying, you know, he wants stable ownership and stable coaching and, and just kind of a stable place. I don't know what team currently is missing a quarterback that is not stable. So just to push back on that, That's fair. I, it's not you. It's it's David Carr. But anyway, I will say yes. And I'll put it at a, you know, a 75 percent chance. I think the Jets will be firmly in position and this is going to be coming up very quickly as opposed to some of those other things that could be coming up later in the offseason. The Raiders have to make that decision, which could lead to him getting straight up cut or the trade agreed to in advance like Alex Smith was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think February 15th, I think like we'll probably know if it's a trade, we'll know who Derek Carr is playing for. Uh, yes. like, very, like He'll be the first name move. He can shape the market a little bit. Jimmy G, I think Jimmy G is the most realistic option. It's not that exciting. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little very concerned with the injury history. I think, you know, people are concerned about Lamar. He, Jimmy G's injury history is not great. I think he makes a lot of sense. I think he is the Jets as a playoff team next year, 100%. My only reservations are, A, if they blow up this staff offensively, why would he want to be here? Um, and B, I think Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the Raiders quarterback in 2023. I just don't know who. And mm -hmm. it feels like Jimmy G is more obtainable. So I'm going to say uh, Jimmy, the Jets would be in on Jimmy G. I think he ends up... <clears throat> I think he ends up in uh, in Las Vegas, but I don't. I think the Jets are, are very much in it, unless you know they obviously go big game hunting with somebody else. But high chance they could get him. I just think he ends up elsewhere. Yeah. Yes, I, I'll put it at like ninety five percent because again, I think he's the most realistic option. And outside of Derek Carr, because again, as we just talked about, it's going to happen in February, so that's a month out from free agency. So if that's decided, obviously they would not. But the Jets are going to meet with Jimmy Garoppolo as long as his coaching staff, again, my 95% immediately goes away if Michael Floor gets fired. That's eradicated off the board. I, I don't think he would come here in that circumstance. But leave that aside. Let's just assume Michael Floor comes back. 
Jimmy Garoppolo is 100% going to meet with the Jets. His contract restructure with the 49ers guaranteed he will be a free agent. He can't be tagged. He would be crazy not to meet with the Jets because it's San Francisco East. It's a New York 49ers. It's everything in a new locale with different weapons. So uh, 95% on that, yes. Again, the only caveat is, of course, uh, whether or not the Jets are in on like a Derek Carr. But uh, the injuries scare the hell out of me, to be honest. I'm not going to go through the whole rest of the list because I, I don't want to take up too much time. But one other quarterback name that could be a lower end guy, could be a higher end guy that you think that um, that either interests you or you think the Jets could be interested in. I'll I'll drop one name. My this is a this is the biggest long shot of everything that's on here, and it's not necessarily because of the player. It's just because of the situation. I think he could get moved. Okay. Do the Jets call on Matt Stafford? And I asked that wow. for two for two reasons. One, Sean McVay retires. The Rams are pretty much going into a rebuild at that point, right? Like Aaron Donald very much could walk away. Stafford says he's not going to retire. I know they just paid Cooper Cup, but did the Rams go, let's just blow this whole thing up, get recoup picks on all these different guys and hope that we can kind of be back and relevant again in two years. We'll hire a young head coach that can sustain it. I don't know if they're going to do that, right? It's LA. Can you really tank and all that stuff? I will say this, Stafford just got paid. He's got a lot of money, but he's obviously been able to take a team to the Super Bowl. I think he could handle New York. I don't have any questions there. Does he want to play football? And is he interested? Mm -hmm. Like, is his body okay? And B, if they blow it up, do the Jets at least call and say, I don't know. He's probably right below Lamar and Rodgers, right? I mean, I think he's, he's well above. He's much better quarterback than Jimmy G and Derek Carr. Like, again, this is the longest of long shots. I'm just saying of a name that no one's really talking about. Did the Jets say take 13 and a future one? You basically recoup, you know, picks the picks that you, uh, you know, tra they traded away. The Rams at least have a first round pick this year, next year, which they didn't have. Flex frees up some cap space and maybe the Rams can try to be an, an eight and eight, nine and eight team next year uh, with a different quarterback. And maybe they keep Baker or something. I don't know. But uh, Matt Stafford's one name. I would just, I'm just curious if, you know, to do teams call on the Rams and say, you have no picks, you have no money, and you have a really good quarterback that has nothing to do here. Like what it's going to take. Yeah, I will say first off, a, a redraft shout out. That's the same draft Sanchez went fifth overall. So wouldn't that be a unique thing to get their hands eventually on Stafford so many years later? So that'd be kind of funny. Uh, my caveat to that is I love Stafford. I think he's super underrated rocket arm. I need my doctors to get their dirty, grubby hands all over Stafford and to give me a full clearance. Because again, Stafford, incredibly talented. I love the guy. I love the personality. love his family. All of it. I love. I, again, a absolute caveat to that deal to even really start talking and getting serious so I don't get my hopes up and then get crushed is I want all my doctors to put all their hands all over Stafford, get head to toe, check them out and, say, and give me the whoop thumbs up. I'm like, okay, great. Now let's start chatting. And if that happens, I'd be willing to do it. Now I'm going to give you a name and I'm going to be honest. A lot of your viewers and or listeners are gonna, uh, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to buckle up, baby. God, oh boy, this is going to be disgusting. I'm just going to be blunt here. But somehow I stumbled into the numbers. I got an email and then I got a few texts and I started digging into it. And went, no way. Yes. No, it was that one uh, gif of that girl goes, no. Yeah. No. Mm. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. I I'm going to be honest. I've I laughed when Daniel Jones went sixth overall. I was with my buddies at a bar. 
and there was the rumors about it, but we thought it was a joke that, you know, uh, Dave Gettleman, quote unquote, fell in love with Daniel Jones at the senior bowl. And I was at a bar and there was one Giants fan who was at the bar. I remember it so vividly like it was yesterday. And when he got selected, he said, uh, bartender, he paid his bill and he started walking out the door immediately. This is Daniel Jones was just selected out of Duke and people are losing their crap on TV. And we're like, oh, my God, guy. And he's like the Giants organization and franchise is over. And he just walked out and I just went, wow. And I just was laughing because we couldn't believe it. But through all the laughing, you look at what Brian Dable has been able to do this year. And quite frankly, it's just stunning. You go through all the numbers. He Daniel Jones has a 67% completion percentage this year. Now, the numbers don't wow you in terms of only 15 touchdowns to five picks. That seems, you know, relatively marginal. Three to one sounds great on the surface, but, you know, the numbers kind of seem small. But the rushing I was just going to say, incredible. adding it in, it's really 22 touchdowns or I think, right, or something like that. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, he had uh, seven touchdowns this year. So, yeah, 22 touchdowns. Like, look at – so their career highs in a lot of areas. Attempts. I mean, he doubled his next closest attempts. He had 120 rushing attempts this year. He had 700 yards that nearly tripled his uh, his uh, numbers from last year, more than doubled. He had seven rushing touchdowns. Like, the numbers are incredible. So, I, I have a Giants uh, – you know, uh, you know, of course, Will, you've been on our show, and you are, are on our show every Friday. My radio partner is a Giants fan, and he's very – very low on Daniel Jones anyway. But when I finally dove in the numbers after I got an email and a few texts, I went, holy crap, Daniel Jones, not bad. And I'm like slapping myself around like, Daniel Jones, what are you talking about? And I'm like, so especially with all the sexy names you talked about earlier, I mean, Daniel Jones is a sneaky name with the numbers. Again, there is the little bit of an illusion. Did Brian Dable work his magic? And then he comes here and he immediately sucks. That's certainly possible. He's had the turnover issues, fumbles very early in his career. Remember when he had the 19 fumbles in his rookie year? It's like an unbelievable number. And he threw picks. It was just crazy number. But they reigned in the turnovers this year. They got up the completion percentage. His rushing numbers are unbelievable. I think Daniel Jones is like, again, one of those girlfriends you're probably not proud to introduce to your parents, but eventually the personality kind of works them a little bit. And I feel like that's where I'm at. That's that's a name I'm hearing no one talking about, quite frankly. But the Jets are among the betting favorites, according to uh, my bookie, to land Daniel Jones. The more I dug into it, the more I started to like it. And I did feel gross and have to take a shower after I uh, talked about that, for sure. Well, we're going to we're going to leave. We're going to wrap with that. Um, but I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think if he hits the free agent market, he's a guy you absolutely look into. I can't believe I'm saying it, but yeah. it's, it's the truth. And, you know, maybe he, he's a guy that, you know, he obviously can handle New York and just what do you want to give a big middle finger to, to the Giants <laughs> and whatever. I think he ends up back in, in New York, but if he yes. doesn't and he hits the market, he's certainly a name um, similar to Stafford. Like, why not? Why not try? Like the Jets should be swinging for the fences. Should be calling anybody that listened. Was Dallas going to listen on Dak if they lose and you know and whatever? I don't know. I'm just like who, whoever it is, call on everybody. Tom Brady's not happening, although it would be quite hilarious. <laughs> Brady came yeah. here for uh, one oh, last 100%. go around. But um, if you're not already, most people that are listening to this obviously are familiar with your stuff. Boy Green Two Five on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, growing YouTube channel. Congrats on! I think you hit another milestone, three or four thousand on there. You're Yes. Um, crushing it on uh, at heavy.com for um, you know anything anything jets related any news pops up um, there's there's not really any better place to go so um, and obviously on the score 1260 I think pretty much most days if I'm not mistaken I know I'm on there Fridays and I'll be on there throughout the offseason so I'm glad you actually got to come on and hopefully next time you're on here we'll have a new quarterback to talk about maybe a new offensive coordinator maybe mm. an offensive tackle maybe Paris Johnson's jet who knows 
Yeah, well, I, I just have to say, first off, Will, that this was my debut on the TOJ pod, and it's great. And I'm going to be honest, uh, there's really only one real reason I came on here. And it's no, it's not because of your, you know, you being Will. I heard a tweet floating out there that after people come on your podcast, they immediately find success in their lives, whether that's Bryce Huff, Justin Hardy, Will Parks. I'm just hoping for a similar career path to those prior TOJ guests that just became superstars and took off. So I, as soon as we end this podcast, I'm just going to put the phone on vibrate and assume Hollywood producers and everybody are going to be clamoring for me. So I'm going to be di- honest. I did it purely for clout. I did it purely for all the attention I'm about Hell to yeah. get from being on the TOJ pod. I as just had to should. be honest. Yes. As you so. should. I texted Justin already right after he got named all pro and said, this is literally a hundred percent my doing. This is nothing to do with there you. you. Go. Take full I, credit. I take Absolutely. full credit. Um, appreciate it. Obviously <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, likely Friday morning or Saturday, depending on, you know, if the Jets end up firing Michael Floor, any moves happen, I'll, I'll hop back on. But um, other than that, will be, you know, Friday will be back. Make sure, again, you guys are tuning in to Paul's stuff. He does a great job, obviously. And, um, you know, it's it's a worthwhile follow if you want to just, especially during the offseason when so much is going on, it's a really good spot to uh, to kind of go. But appreciate everybody for listening. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Friday.